podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The dream is made real. Ricky Hatton rocks the world. How do you like it? How do you like it? I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over. Mamma mia, he's done it. Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko. Uh. BTR Boxing Podcast Network. This is the big fight reaction for Errol Spence and Terence Crawford's epic encounter over the weekend. And oh my God, is all I'm going to say to start this show. Oh my God, what a fight and what a performance by Terence Crawford, guys. This was unreal. Johnston, we said we were going to try and watch this fight live. Like As we're getting older, it's getting harder to do, but both of us <laughs> managed it. Both of us managed to, to get this fight on and it was just, it was something to behold. I mean, it wasn't a toe-for-toe fight, but what it was was a one-sided destruction of Errol Spence and something that maybe we couldn't have really foreseen going into this fight. And I picked Errol Spence. So straight away when... The round started ticking away, and I thought, oh my God, Errol Spence is getting dismantled and broken down. And, and then the other side of me thought, well, look how good Terence Crawford really is, and now he's really showing it. And this was a one hell of a fight, one hell of a, an emphatic victory for Terence Crawford. And in the space of a week now, this is how fickle boxing can be. You've got a potentially an argument now for two new pound-for-pound number ones. On Tuesday, it was a new A, and now <laughs> come Sunday morning, people are saying it was Crawford. So there's a conversation to have around that, but let's get into the fight. Let's get into the fight, Johnson. Talk about the fight. We watched it live. We managed to see how this would play out, and I just want to know what your initial reactions were after seeing this play out in the manner that it did. Sublime. Absolutely sublime performance from a masterful boxer in Terence Crawford. And and we've always said it. We've always been huge admirers of Terence and how he fights. And, you know, the one thing I always felt was that he just had that bit more quality than Errol Spence, who does things really well. And you see in the first round, he come out sharp, he was throwing that jab and he looked like, um, I mean, he took the first round. I think we all agree with that. And it was almost like Crawford, I think the commentator said he sort of handed him that round. I just think he was just, just testing the water a little bit. Just what these elite fighters do, these, these world-class fighters throughout, the history of the sport, we've seen so many fights, Sean, from back in the day. We've discussed them so many times. And what they do is they just have this ability to be able to just take in all that data from the first few minutes and then literally turn it on its head. I mean, the second round of the knockdowns there, but Spence was fighting all right before that. It's a bit of a flash knockdown. Great shot. The counter-punching was just oh, real, wasn't it, from Terrence? The timing, the counter-punching, how hard his jab was. I mean, he was knocking Spence's head back with that jab. And... I always thought that Spence's jab was going to be a main part. And if he can remove that jab and Crawford wins the fight, that's exactly what he did. And then from there, mate, I mean, he didn't just beat Spence Jr. He beat him up. He did, he absolutely beat him up. He didn't run. You know, you're not talking about a guy that run around for 12 rounds and, and just popped his way to a victory by three or four punches each round, which was what Mayweather used to do. People used to say, you know, that's the scientific style of boxing. And, and it isn't. Terence Crawford showed the world what, what when when you hear the phrase scientific boxing and and the science of boxing, 
Terence Crawford just produced that. He did. And Nui is another one that can do that. Usyk is another one that can do it. Where they literally are in within range. They're within range of being hit, Sean. And they still are able to counter, to manoeuvre and and hurt their opponent. That is just, it's just beautiful to watch. And what Terence Crawford did was he took his soul and he handed him his arsehole, quite simply. <laughs> yeah, well, it was one hell of a fight. And I really enjoyed watching the progression of Terence Crawford in this fight. And you, you, you've kind of nailed it on the head, really, Johnston, when you said about... You know, the first round or first couple of rounds is about downloading the data and adapting to what the other fighters doing. And that's exactly how I thought what Crawford did. He, he he didn't win that first round for me. I said to you, I was texting you yeah. at the time and said, I think Spencer took this first round. But then from the second round on, it was like Crawford then adapted. He realised the distance. He realised the range. He, he knew what he was able to throw. He knew what counters he was going to be able to get in. And he just started to execute that game plan so greatly and i've got to say as well as a side note i think both corners did really well with the fighters regardless of the fact that spence got beaten he was dismantled i think his corner Derek james was still giving him the best advice and i still think bomack in crawford's corner was giving him the best advice so i can't really fault the corners it's what the men do in the ring it's what the two guys can do and how they can execute it but i thought the corners advice in between rounds was was excellent from both sides then there's this conversation aside from the actual outcome of the fight, about Spence. And what I'm hearing now is like, oh, well, look, Spence was... He was pretty obvious he was really badly weight-trained. It was pretty obvious going into the fight. He didn't see him himself. So now we're starting to hear a lot of the pacifications of why this fight ended up the way it did and excuses from, from different people. And this is why fans can be so fickle with the sport is because... You know, you've got someone who's a really big Errol Spence fan who's going to make every excuse under the sun as to why he lost that fight. Errol Spence himself said, I lost to the better man on the night, but he wants to fight him again. He wants to fight him again. He wants to fight him at 154. So to me, if he said that, that indicates that the weight was a problem and that he wants to go up where he feels a little bit healthier at a higher weight, and understandably so. But for me... This is where I get annoyed at these conversations is because Errol Spence is an elite fighter. Terence Crawford is an elite fighter. When you're at that level, making weight, that is part of it. If you can't make the weight and you can't make the weight comfortably, one, why are you taking the fight? And two, why are you in this sport if you can't do it? Now, I don't think that's the case with with Errol Spence. I just think that maybe they've tried to push it one fight too far with the weight and maybe they should have moved up earlier and I'm not using that as an excuse but I do think if he would have been at a higher weight maybe he would have been competitive I don't know I don't actually know I'm saying he might have been but I don't actually know until this fight might happen again at 154 because it seemingly sounds like that's the route they're going to go down with the execution of the rematch clause for Errol Spence and Terence Crawford too. But what I will say is the sportsmanship between the two of them was great uh, before the fight, even during the fight and after the fight. And I don't know if you've seen this, Johnston, but I've seen a little clip in the aftermath of the fight of Terence Crawford actually (laughs) giving Errol Spence the belts back for him to take home because Terence Crawford will get his own version of the belts. And that was just really nice to see the, the level of sportsmanship. And it's that side of boxing which is what keeps us entertained it's what keeps us loving the sport so much and it was just an an out and out great fight a great build up 
a great aftermath. And if they do do it again, and it is at 154, it does give you more questions. It does make you think, will Spence be able to outwork and outmaster Terence Crawford? But what do you think, Johnston, about the conversations around him being weight-drained and the issues around that and then the rematches clause and everything else that kind of comes with it in the aftermath of Errol Spence losing in the fashion that he did? I do worry for Errol Spence um, because of the beatings he sustained and just how outclassed he was, Seanan. You know, you see with these fighters, the one fight that sort of kept coming to my head was when Joe Calzaghe absolutely demolished Jeff Lacey. And, and I know, don't, don't get me wrong, they weren't the two sort of, you know, arguably the best pound for pounders in the world at the time. Lacey was obviously that guy coming through who had a, a bit of a, a background to him and everyone was like knocking people out and, and it inspired Joe Calzaghe to produce that performance. He did sublime performance where he beat Lacey up, didn't knock him out, but he beat him up, didn't stop him, but beat him up. And that's pretty much what Terence did. And you, you know, after that, Lacey was off the man. He really was. And, and I, I, yeah, that's the worry is with Errol. How, what's that going to have taken out of him? I mean, to be throwing your best shots and, and, and Terence to still just be there and, and you get hurt with everyone. That can't be just weight, the, the weight drain. That can't be. I'm sorry, that, that wasn't, I don't believe that's a good enough excuse. You, you can say it as much as you want to, blue in the face. No, 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 no. I know what the Spence fans are going to say. You know, that's what they, they, they're admirers of Spence. They love Spence and they don't want to admit the fact that they he just got beat by the better man. And I do. I just think that Crawford is that good. It's a bit like with Anoue. He's just that good. Sometimes you've just got to accept it. You get these guys that come around and they're just too good. Like Phelps in swimming, like Michael Johnson in running, like Usain Bolt in athletics on 100 metres, 200 metres. These guys are just different gravy. You know, Federer at Wimbledon and, and, and Djokovic. And, you know, and these guys are just, they've, they've just got something special about them. And unfortunately, no matter how hard you try, they're just going to always beat you. So my worry is, I know he's saying he wants to take that fight in December. He's up for it. You know, he wants to come back. He wants it at 154. And even Crawford's turned around and said, you know what? I'll fight at 154. I mean, he hasn't come out and said it, but he, he said he's, what, what he did say was that, he also is starting to struggle to make the welterweight limit. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I do worry for him. I do. I think Crawford does a number on him again. If anything, it'd be worse because he's a one five four. He's going to be even more powerful. I just don't see a route, Sean. When you see how easy it was for Crawford, you know, he's dismantled one of the best in the world. And Anuwe done the same thing with Fulton Jr. You're talking about two guys that are just top of their game. When they're on fire, they've got the fire in their belly and they're able to produce goods like that. There's no one in the world that's going to beat them. And the argument is, how good are they, Sean? I think that's the, that's the argument here. I know, I'm, you know it's about Crawford, it's not about Anuay, but how good are those two? Could you, what era could you stick them in and, and would they still be as good? I think pretty much there's quite a few eras and I'm talking the best eras of the rad. I think they pushed some of the greatest of all time, Sean. I'm, I'm not, they they have literally just been unreal. I would like to see Crawford fight Ennis because I think Boots Ennis is a tremendous fighter. I think that would be a great fight because at least Ennis has got power, but I still think Crawford does him as well. Well, Ennis is now IBF mandatory, so that makes it the potential for that fight to happen next unless Spence activates the rematch clause. That's exactly. what I've read. That's what I've read yeah. online. So if that plays out that way, then Ennis won't get his shot, but he may get his shot. 
I honestly think Crawford's going to go where the money is. I think he will. I think he's at this. He's thirty-five years of age. I mean, I'm not saying it's time to retire for both of them because there has been conversations, a lot of conversations about Spence and retiring, and we will come to that as a side note in a minute. But what I'm saying about Crawford is. If he's offered big money to take the rematch and he's contractually obliged to take a rematch with him, even if it is at a catchweight or if it is at 154, then that's naturally the route that's going to happen next. It's a shame for Ennis because he doesn't get that big opportunity against a big name. He ends up fighting for the vacant IBF title because it'll have to be vacated by Crawford, probably for him to move up. I can't see the IBF letting him keep it they would never let they never let anybody keep the belts it'd be as simple as that with the IBF they'll just say no Crawford isn't going to be defending it so it's going to go up as a as a vacant title and any will fight the next contender in the list in the IBF rankings so I think that's what's going to happen but as a side note as I was saying earlier I've seen a lot of conversations a lot of YouTube outlets a lot of boxing outlets saying the same thing putting the same polls putting the same conversations out there and I just wanted to address it with you should Errol Spence retire? That's what I keep seeing. They're the headlines I keep seeing. Should he retire? And that conversation comes back to what you were saying earlier about Calzaghe and Lacey and that comparison. After that, after taking a beating, which is what it was, should he retire, Johnston? I don't think he should. I uh, no, I don't. I agree with you. I, I don't think he should. I think he should stay away from Crawford. Uh, uh, just stay away from him. He doesn't need to fight him. I don't. I don't think they'll fight again. I mean, if he doesn't, if if he doesn't, you know, want that rematch. If he doesn't suggest he has to have that, he wants that rematch. I know he's saying he wants it, but I think someone should be saying to him, "Look, maybe just stay away from him, because it's going to be the same result. It will. If anything, it's probably better for Errol to not fight him and allow Crawford to do whatever he wants to do, whether he stays around at welterweight and fights like a an Ennis." Or what? And then, and then, and then Errol can move up. I mean, there's an undisputed champion in that division as well, isn't there, Sean? And that guy is Jamel Charlo, and he's currently going to be fighting Canelo. Now, I'm not, I haven't looked too much into this. I mean, you might be able to shed some light on this for me, but whether Charlo's going up to fight Canelo, I haven't looked too much into that, but I think he is. So he's, he's undisputed belts, I'm guessing, will be, won't be, uh, he won't be needing to defend him. So I suppose my argument is, is that with, Terence Crawford now undisputed in two different weight classes, the first to ever do it. You know, the, the Charlo fight there, through undisputed again in another weight, he could become the third to do it. You know what? I wouldn't put it past him to want to, want to do that to cement his legacy as one of the greatest fighters of all time. Well, Charlo is going up to super middleweight to fight Canelo for all the marbles. However, he did say in the broadcast that I watched of the fight on Showtime, he did say to Brian Custer, I'm not done at 154. So if he's got a pass from all of the four sanctioning bodies and they're saying, we'll allow you to move up to fight Canelo in this fight and you will have to defend your titles after that fight, then maybe there'll be something where... It could be that Crawford moves up and fights straight away for the undisputed crown at 154. I don't know. I don't know how it'll play out, but if not all of the sanctioning bodies agree that they were going to allow Charlo to go up and fight Canelo and they decide, well, actually, I'm going to strip him of this title, that then does leave titles open. And automatically, because of Crawford's status in the welterweight division, I think the WBO and sometimes the WBA usually make those guys mandatory straight away, don't they, for their for their titles in the higher weights. So 
with that in mind, there's a potential, like you say, for him to go up and fight up at 154 and fight for vacant belts or fight Charlo. You could end up seeing something like a Crawford versus Zoo for a vacant belt, which would be an amazing fight to see. Yeah. And I think Crawford's a type of fighter. I think he's up for the challenge, and I think there's no signs of him going anywhere yeah and i think it'll be really good to see if he do, does progress down that route because it's exciting for us as fans because we get to see if he can really test the waters at a higher weight and that's when you start to think how good of a fighter is this guy really if he can go up another way and do that then that just makes him like you say one of a kind generational talent alongside the likes of neo Inoue. and a lot of conversations that have happened in the aftermath of the performance from crawford one fight in particular that people have fantasised over, and I've seen it so many times in different boxing groups, Crawford versus Mayweather. People are like, Crawford versus Mayweather, how would that play out? And it's it's an interesting question. I mean, I'm not going to theorise too much over it, but it would certainly make for an interesting fight should that have happened. Floyd, 10 years ago from now, and Crawford at this point in time, it would have made for a really interesting fight, Crawford versus Mayweather. But again... I'm not even going to dwell on it too much because it's just fantasy. It's never going to happen. It's not happening. We're not going to get a prime Mayweather against a prime Bud. Simple as that. But it's an exciting thought. And like you said earlier, Johnston, you know, people have also said about Crawford in different eras and how would he have lasted in the 80s with the, the, with the four kings. Obviously, we know Hagler was a middleweight, but I'm talking maybe about Sugar Ray and Duran and, and Tommy Hearns. How would he have lasted in, in that particular area? And the thing is, none of us really know. But I think what we do know about his ability and his skills is that even if he didn't beat any of those guys, he would certainly give them a great fight. And I think that's the one thing that is universally known is that you can't honestly say you'd know who'd win them fights, but you'd certainly know that Crawford would give a really good fight to any one of them. So it is exciting, and it does make you think like that, and it does make you theorise over the the potential fantasy fights. But we've got to focus on the here and now. He's just beaten an elite fighter in Errol Spence. He's just become the only man in the four-belt era. And I say that as in the four-belt era, because there was a lot of controversy over that statement as well. The four-belt era is the only man in the four-belt era to have done it in two separate weights. And the reason why I mentioned four belt era is because there was a load of uproar about the fact that certain commentators were saying he's the only man to have done it. Uh, and it's like, no, he's not. There's loads of fighters that have done it. There's loads. Sugar Ray's done it. Emil Griffith's done it. There's loads of fighters in the past that actually went up and went to different weights and won titles, but they were the only titles that were available for them at the time. So Crawford is the only man to have done it in the four belt era. So that's the, the definitive standpoint on that one. But, just going back to it again and just sort of recapping once more on the fight before I mention a few of the undercard fights as well. It was just a sublime performance. It was something I didn't expect to go down the way it did. And I'm just really happy we got to see something that has etched its mark in history because it is. It has. Because when we look back on this fight in 10, 15 years' time, you're going to think about this and think about the destructive performance from Terence Crawford. And, you know, we've been waiting for Crawford to save for this moment. And we've been waiting for a moment where Crawford really puts his stamp of authority in boxing. And he's and for me, he's now, he's finally done it. No matter what happens from here on out, he's absolutely 100% cemented his legacy, not just by being a an undisputed champion in two weights, but by beating a pound-for-pound pound elite fighter in the fashion that he did. 
And I agree with you. Um, a lot there were a lot of doubters of Crawford. A lot of people picked holes at what he had achieved previously and how he had achieved that in terms of who he had fought to become undisputed in in, in another division, uh, the weight below. But what he did prove there was that no matter who you are, you know he's he's not going to change his style. I mean, he was just. I've watched it twice, and in his performance is stunning. It really is stunning. There's nothing short of that. I mean, it's it's very close to perfection if you think about it. You don't see many fighters able to produce the quality that he did. And and as you, as you say, Sean, we looked at we looked at the welterweight fights, the big welterweight fights that have happened throughout the years, expecting this one to be that. What it ended up being is a sublime welterweight champion demonstrating to the world just how great he was and how great he is. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I keep thinking of Calzaghi because this is very similar in terms of how he just dismantled the guy. And I mean, it's just brilliant, Sean, wasn't it? And I mean, them, them counter punches, that heavy jab. And you do wonder now, as, as he sort of shot himself in the foot now, uh, I think that's another question, is by, have, by producing the goods like that, who's going to want to fight him? Who is going to want to fight? Who's going to have the balls to fight Terence Crawford after he's done that to Spence? Spence, by the sounds of it, is the guy that's going to do it. And, I've, you know, I'll give him credit. Other people have made excuses for Spence, and Spence hasn't really made any excuses at all, apart from the fact that better man won. And he wants to go back, lick his wounds, and come back a better fighter. That could happen. But that's going to be some fate, Sean, isn't it? If Errol Spence could turn this round, even in a way above, and produce a, a better performance and push Crawford, then absolute respect to the guy if he can do that. That's, that's a huge turnaround. I just can't see it. Well, we'll see. Time will tell us what will really happen with this saga. But for us, it was what we wanted. He delivered. He delivered on many levels. And even as a side note, the fact that Eminem came out and even though oh, he didn't yeah. he didn't even rap. Exactly. That's the, the strange thing about that was he came out, he did an introduction for Crawford, and then he didn't even rap his own song. He just let the, the music play over the top. And I was just like, so, okay, it's great that he's coming out, but why is he not rapping his song? Why is he not doing it? I was a bit like, eh? That was a bit weird. So that was a bit of a weird moment. But it was also quite surreal as well to see Eminem do that. And it was funny because they'd had an interaction, hadn't they, on social media about 48 hours before. Eminem basically said, I think it was on Instagram, how, you know, this is his favourite fighter, as in Crawford, and then Crawford's basically replied saying, why don't you come and walk me out, champ, and there you go. As quick as that, you know, he's over there in Las Vegas, and he's, he's walked him out for the fight, and it was yeah, it was great to see. So, the whole event was, was, was great, and, you know, I even managed to watch a few fights on the undercard as well, and it was early hours of the morning. I'm finding it difficult as I get older to stay up and, and watch these fights, but I'll tell you the fights that I did watch and what I was really uh, impressed with. The, the Cuban, Juanes Tellez, stopping Sergio Garcia in three rounds. Now, Tellez, at this point, goes into this fight on two weeks' notice and limited experience as a professional. He'd only had five fights going into it. Whereas Garcia, we, we knew him for, for many years fighting certain fighters on our shores. And he absolutely obliterated Garcia. Garcia came out in this fight the most offensive gas he has ever come out in any of the fights I've seen him in. And eventually Tellez got to him and absolutely obliterated him and, and got a massive, massive win for someone who's very early on in their professional career. Now, I didn't know much about Tellez whatsoever, to be honest, going into this particular fight. But what I do know is that the commentators were talking about how much of a, a great 
amateur resume he has and you know how he started his career so far and how they're looking at sort of fast tracking him but that's a massive scalp for him now he's taking that victory over Sergio Garcia uh, surely now that that propels him forward in his career that, that was great to see you know, like a prospect like that and the opportunities that he might have in the future in the super welterweight division and then I got to watch Nonito Donaire against Alexandro Santiago and I wasn't sure what to make of uh, what Donaire was going to do in this fight but the one thing I will say after watching it was that I think it's time for Donaire I think it's time to call it a day he was um he was off the he was off the boil he was he was he was good in parts he had that skill still he had that great left hook in parts but you could just tell like the age is getting to him now he's 40 years old he was fighting a younger challenger who had absolutely idolized him as a kid fighting his idol who would now become his rival and i just felt like it was time for Donaire to hang up the gloves what did you make of, of those two then johnston yeah, I mean, uh, the Tellez one, I mean, he's, he's actually got a fight scheduled for next month. That's the crazy thing as well. He's he's already got a fight in and he's he's got an opportunity against Garcia. And I mean, Garcia's a decent fighter, he's a decent European fighter. Um, we remember him with, uh, was it, was it, whose fight was it? Was it Cheeseman or I don't think it was even Cheeseman, was it? Who did he absolutely smash to bits? Who was it again? Um, I can't think. Let me just have a quick look while you're here. Uh, yeah, Ted Cheeseman, it was definitely Ched, Ted Cheeseman. He came over and and give him a lesson back in 2019. I do remember that. I remember the fight. I just literally escaped me there. Uh, but yeah, uh, great performance from him. And then obviously, I mean, he's been a European, around a European level, sort of knocking on the world level. And Tellez has come in, this this young guy out of nowhere, comes in late replacement and demolishes him. He's even got a fight scheduled for August. So yeah, as you say, he's definitely one to keep an eye out for. Doing that to Garcia so early in your career. Guy's clearly got some talent. And obviously, Denier... Against it was just at Santiago, he was just younger, um, and and fitter, wasn't he, Sean? Um, I think that's pretty much it. And and when when you're losing to guys like that, when guys you know that Donaire should be winning those fights, but unfortunately, just youth overcomes you. I think, yeah, I think it's time. I think he just wants one one last win. Yeah, you know, I still feel like he should after the Anuay defeat, he should have just knocked it on the head after that. Um, even just getting the draw, not even taking a rematch, but I suppose money talks. Um, for me, yeah. I, it's it's a shame because you don't want to see Donaire keep going and just get sort of walked over by guys that are nowhere near the level that he he was at. But yeah, I mean it is what it is. It's what boxers do, don't they, Sean? When the money comes and they they will come calling all the time, no matter how old they are, how hurt they are, they will keep going. Absolutely. Well, the Isaac Cruz fight, I. I'll be totally honest with everybody like listening to this show. There's no point in me trying to talk about that fight because this was the point where my uh, my body started to give in a little bit and I actually fell asleep during the fight. So I wasn't able to actually tune into this particular fight. But I've read that it actually was quite controversial. Cruz got a split decision over Cabrera. Some people felt like Cabrera had actually done enough to get the win on this particular night. But I can't comment on that because I didn't watch it. It was one of the moments where I'd managed to stay awake for so long. I not even had a chance to be able to go to sleep to watch the fight. And I thought, yeah, no, I'm fine. I'll be all right. I'll manage to stay up to get the, uh, the Spence and Crawford fight. And then that was the one that just absolutely floored me. And I managed to get back up in time for Spence and Crawford. So, you know, guys, if you're listening and you've watched the fight, let me know what you think. Let us know what you think. Let, you know, let us know what you think about the fight and, and whether it was as controversial as what some people are saying. But there's no point of trying to talk about a fight that we didn't watch because I was absolutely gone at this point. But what I will say is the fight that I did manage to tune into after it had happened uh, was Liam Davis absolutely destroying Jason Cunningham in one round. I was absolutely... 
absolutely yeah. surprised by how quick that fight ended. And I thought Liam Davis would probably win against Cunningham, but I didn't think he would do it in such an emphatic fashion in the first round. So big shout out to Liam, really. He's, he's gone in there and he said he was going to do it. He said he was going to beat Jason Cunningham. He said he was going to stop him and he, he bloody did it in one round as well, which is uh, which was some feat. So congrats to Jason. Uh, congrats to Liam, should I say, and, and commiserations to Jason because Jason's had a, a really, really good career and I'm getting the impression from what I'm seeing on social media that maybe it's... Uh, He's starting to wind down his career. He's achieved quite a lot. He's, I mean, he's still 33. He still could go again, but maybe it's uh, maybe he's had his day. Maybe he's had his heyday. I think his uh, his big fight with Tete last year that was that was obviously one of the big moments for him, and he lost that. And then he came back and he got a good win in his fight earlier on this year. But now he's been beaten by Davis, so I'm starting to feel like he's going to be starting to wind down for his professional career at this point. But yeah, again. Congrats to Liam. It's a, it's a really good win for him. But well, what about Liam, though, Sean? I mean, what a division to be in. I mean, hopefully, Anuay uh, does just stick around for a cup of tea and disappears because he might not actually <laughs> win a title. He did make me laugh in an interview, Liam. Actually, he was they were saying about Anuay, and he said, "Look, he ain't the type of guy you go chasing, is he?" Um, <laughs> even admitted himself. So he's like, "If the fight come to me, I'll take it." But um, yeah, he he was a very he admires the guy, let's put it that way. And um, I don't think he's that stupid to want to jump. I mean, if the money was right, obviously, but there's no need for him to be taking a fight like that. That's that's the point. Um, so I'm I'm guessing he probably thinks, yeah, you know, let's just keep ticking away, try to pick up them victories and try and get a world title shot when uh, when Anuay decides he's had enough of this division and moves on. Absolutely. Well, there's only one topic for the end of this show. And this could be a long topic, guys. And it's one that I wanted to just throw at you now, Johnston. You've probably seen the news as of the last couple of days that Conor Ben has been cleared by UCAD to fight again after the testings mm-hmm. and all the issues that we've been talking about for months and months and months. Conor Ben's finally been cleared. What are you thinking about this? Well, um... are, are we eating oh, our words yeah. a little bit? Are we eating our words now? No, uh, because I don't, the fact is that this will keep moving the goalposts here because it was, it was, uh, so he did have to, um, they, they did find traces of whatever the, the I'm not even going to try and remember what the drug is, um, uh, but yeah, he had two traces of it still. Uh, I think they're, I think UCAD, from what I read, was saying that the traces would lead to them, for them to believe that it was to do with food rather than being taken pill-wise. Um, and so UCAD have said that he's cleared to fight, but the Boxing Board of Control may appeal this as well, by the way. Um, I, I don't know if they will. Um, so it's down to them. They've got a certain amount of days to appeal the decision from UCAD. So I think that's, that's interesting. I just... What irritates me, Sean, is, you know, the, the guy... Hasn't said too much. Said some stupid shit for me. I, I haven't liked his attitude. He was even saying I'm angry and stuff. And I, I, to be fair, I liked his comments. Sort of after he seemed quite positive. Um, but my issue with him is he doesn't say. He's quick to come out now and say stuff because he feels like he's been cleared. He hasn't been completely cleared. It's not like there was never traces found, and you know. Have other fighters have had this? Other fighters have had this too, and I still, I still don't feel completely. Uh, yeah, I, I you struggle. Don't sound with it. Anyone that's found it, I'm not convinced. No, because 
it, you don't get traces of anything in your system if you're not sort of doing something you shouldn't be. You know, if you know what I mean. I, I feel that that is the case. Any cheater, you know what I'm like, Sean, I've always had a problem with him. You know, with, with it comes to Canelo, I still struggle with that history of his, that the tainted meat and how easy people just bypass it. It's the same thing with Tyson Fury. You know, ironically, he takes two years off because he has his mental health problems and it links him well with the two-year suspension. They're all at it. I mean, even... I, I can't help... And I'm not stupid enough to believe that there are not boxers out there that are not using PEDs. And, and I do. I feel that Connor was up to something. I do. I'm not going to sit here and all of a sudden say, now I'm a massive... I'm so sorry, Connor. You know, there's been traces though, Sean, hasn't there? It's not like there wasn't traces. It's not saying, oh no, we've got it all wrong. There was never traces. Why have you... Why has it taken so long? Why are the boxing board of control so debating an appeal? Right? You know, there's, there's, there's just... I'm not... I am not going to be the type of person to turn around and say, yeah, I got it wrong. I, I feel that there's something not quite right. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just... I don't feel that he's completely innocent in this. And I'm not the type of person who's going to turn around and say, oh, I'm sorry, Connor. No, fuck that. No way. I think, he, I think he's actually... His behaviour has made me just turn off of him completely. And you know what his next fight's going to be? Sean's going to be Kel- it's going to be Kilbrook. I mean, this is the yeah. type of shit. And I just... I, no, no matter how much respect I have for Nigel Ben as a fighter, I do. I have, you know, admiration for Ben, admiration for Eubank because of the fights they gave us. And uh, yeah, they can be stupid sometimes, some of the stuff they've done in their history and their past, but I have more respect for them too. And I'm not, it doesn't mean I respect their sons. I don't. <laughs> I don't, I'm not going to lie to you. They've not done anything majorly to impress me. Connor had a good year. We gave him the uh, the domestic, the British fight of the year uh, last year. Well, it might have been last year, year before. I can't remember now. But for me, I, I, I'm not, I'm not convinced. And in a part of me, Sean wants someone to take him on and and do what Crawford did to Errol Spence and take his soul and hand him his arsehole. <laughs> Well, only time I'm, 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 I've gone completely against him, Sean. Like, I want him to lose. I want him to get beat up. That's how I. I'm not gonna. I'm not the sort of person that's sitting here to say things for the sake of it. I do. I don't. I generally don't like the guy anymore. I have no. I've, I've lost respect for him. I don't like his attitude. I think he's been like a spoiled little brat. Like he's. I've just not liked his attitude. And on the flip side, how much I hate promoters. What I liked about Eddie Earn coming out is him openly saying, yeah, I'm in it for the money and I'm in it for the cars. I'm in it for that. That's what I'm doing it for. Anyone that's, any promoter that says that isn't, that is not in it for that, they're lying. And I was like, holy fucking Lula, Eddie Earn, my son. At least he's come out and said it. I'm an arsehole and I'm going to hold my hands out and admit it. That's what Conor Ben needed to do. I've made a mistake, you know, and he's going to deny it. I think that's that's the thing with me, Sean. I, I've got more respect for Gerald Miller coming out and say, yeah, I took whatever the fuck I needed. I just wanted to just get myself roided up to the point where I could knock someone's head off. I sort of have more respect for that. I can't help it. I just, I just feel like there's more to it than what they're giving us. And, and that's my opinion. That's just my opinion. Yeah, I'm not 100% convinced. I've seen, I seen the UCAD really and I thought, okay, you know, is everybody going to start licking his ass now and oh yeah I'm really sorry Connor blah 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 Tony Bell you was on social I always believed in this man from day one blah 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 ah. okay right okay you know this is where you get the clingers on starting to pull pull their stuff out at, at the moment I'm still not 100% convinced the British Bots and Border Control don't seem 100% convinced either which is why they're debating an appeal which is why they're debating what they're debating at the moment so only time's going to tell 
us as fans like what's really going on and we probably will never find out what really went on and how it all planned out i think we're getting shreds of uh, shreds of truth and, and, and a lot of bullshit in between it all and i think it's all it's going to do is eventually just be another situation that will eventually fade into the background but like you said and like you've rightly pointed out what it has done uh, is it's damaged his reputation as a fighter and as a human being massively to make you feel the way you feel Johnston about him there's probably going to be many other people out there that feel exactly the same as a result oh, so right. well it's going yeah, to it's going it's going to it's going to turn him off though it's going to turn him off if people were watching his fights like us to see him do well to see him carry on the Ben name now people are probably going to tune in to see him get knocked out or want him to get knocked out and that's what's going to happen I think it's going to turn it's going to turn him in 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 from a liked fighter to a disliked fighter but he's not going to give a shit at the end of the day what he's going to give a shit about is getting back in the ring and earning money and earning big bucks and Eddie Hearn's going to be there to support him because he's going to be the one that's going to use that reputation and he's going to play up to it. Even if it's not the reputation that Conor Ben essentially wanted out of all of this, Eddie Hearn's going to play on that. He's going to play him as the pantomime villain and he's going to make money out of him. Simple as that. And we know how this is going to play out now, regardless of, of the outcomes of an appeal from the Board of Control or whether he fights on a different license or whatever. We know this is what's going to happen. So that that's just my thought on it all. I, I don't agree with it. Um, I'm not a big fan anymore. Will I watch his fights? Well, yeah, I'll watch it with intrigue. I want to see what happens. I want to see whether he gets humbled by somebody. Absolutely. Will it turn my opinion in his favour in some point in the future? I just don't know whether I'll be able to be as supportive as I once was of him. I mean, he needs mate... to grow up, doesn't he? I think for me, he does. I think he needs to grow up. I don't like his attitude. I've not liked it. Um, and it, I hate what I hate about it is is he played the victim role as well. You know, I don't. I don't. I just don't like that. It's, it's always excuses. You know. I, I just think you just got to hold your hands up. You know, if someone gets, if you get beat in the ring and you have excuses like Wilder, I mean, you, you lose respect for guys like that. You know, his fans like, you know, look at Tyson Fury, definitely had something wrong with his gloves. And then you're like, fucking hell, like, really? Um, I hate that. I can't stand that. You know, I have respect for every fighter that steps in the ring. I do, honestly, no matter, no matter what I do. You know, anyone that wants to step in the ring, you've got bollocks to do that. Um, credit to you. But I can't have excuses, man, after it. You know, just admit you've been beaten by the better man. There's nothing wrong with that. You get more fans from that. And even with something like this, when you get some sort of, whether it be, whatever it is, I mean, not even just drugs, if there's anything else, like even not making weight, and I I don't, I I hate that. I mean, obviously, PEDs is worse, but I just, I just don't like how, it, it felt like he was just a little kid. That's how I felt. I felt like a little kid whining and whinging. You know, look what they've done to me. And I just think, oh my God, get your head out of your arse. I'll get back to boxing, mate. That's what I think. Let's see what time brings us and let's see what happens in the future. I think he will fight. I think he'll be fighting Brooke again, like you said, before we know it. And and, and normal service will resume in that regard. But I just wanted to have a few minutes to talk about it. We needed to. We did, yeah. we did, we can't not address it, and I think like you guys listening to us, you'd love want us to address it in in our own way. So there we go. This is what we think of it so far, and you know, let's see what time brings us with it, and and whether he gets his fights, and how it all plays out. And I'm sure there'll be more conversations about it in the future. But that's it for now, uh, and that's also it for this episode as well. We've really enjoyed 
coming back and breaking down Spence and Crawford's fight. It was the one we was really looking forward to this year. Um, we have now seen that Paterbiev has had to pull out of his fight with Smith. Uh, well, also postpone it. I'm not going to say he's pulled out completely. He has postponed the fight due to a bone infection in his jaw. So there won't be a big fight preview for that, but we will do one for Joshua and White, which is coming up in around two weeks' time. There isn't anything major coming up this weekend unless you consider Jake Paul versus Nate Diaz a major fight. Not something we're necessarily going to cover this week, so please make sure... Instead of tuning in for a Big Fight preview, you go and check out our Career Profiles podcast because we have just released the latest episode on the Black Prince, Peter Jackson. The first part of the Peter Jackson story is now available on the Career Profiles podcast. It is also available on this BTR Boxing Podcast feed. Please make sure you tune in, listen to the history of the sport, listen to some of the difficulties that people like Peter Jackson faced in history. Some great episodes already up on the feed. Please make sure you tune into them. Big shout out to the patrons of the podcast as well. Thank you as always for supporting us and allowing us to continue to get all that great detailed research for episodes like Peter Jackson and Wilfred Benitez and Tex Rickard. Many, many more to come, of course. But that's it for this episode. Thank you for listening to BTR Boxing Podcast. Podcast Network.